Welcome back to Racially Speaking, a podcast dedicated to having real and honest conversations about race as it's viewed through the lenses of faith, family, and vocation. I'm David, and you are listening to episode three. I'll probably end up saying this every episode, but I'm really excited for you all to meet my next guest. I recently had the chance to catch up with one of my oldest friends, Christy Miller, to discuss some really important topics related to raising and navigating a multiracial family. These topics are not only extremely personal to me, but some that I believe anyone who is passionate about learning needs to lean into. Christy and her husband Daniel have an incredible story, and although I've known them for upwards of 25 years, I learned a ton from this conversation. Christy is a wealth of knowledge, and I really appreciated the honesty she brought, along with a lot of humility. As a white mother of three black children, Christy's story, although not unique, is one filled with many intersections that I think are important to process through as a parent and an overall advocate for racial justice. I really, really enjoyed this one. So without further ado, here is our conversation. Hey, Christy. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time by coming on here. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here. It feels like we're just hanging out. (laughs) I know. And I mean, I feel terrible. I already told you before we hit record, but you're a mama of five and you just have, you have Piper two months old now? Yeah. Well, almost. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. And I feel terrible because I mean, we're going to say in a minute how long we've known each other, but we (laughs) haven't even taken time to meet the baby. I mean, we're five hours apart, but yeah. Uh, we haven't taken time to zoom in or anything, so I'm a terrible friend. Uh, no, you're not. You're not. <laughs> anyway, this kind of this kind of doubles, and you're right. We get to hang out, so that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. On that note, how? What's? Let's tell everyone how long we've known each other because we're getting kind of old now. So how long has it been? Uh-huh. I want to hear what you say because I think I know. But well, we met in fourth grade. Okay, that's what, fourth grade. That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For those of you listening that don't know, yeah. So we've known each other. I'm not good at math. Upwards <laughs> of 25 ish years. A long time. Oh, oh my goodness. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you and to the listeners, so um, Christy and Daniel, her husband, have known. I mean, really, like our whole lives, pretty much. Yeah, kindergarten. No, Daniel, fourth grade, Christy. Everyone, anyone that knows you guys have been, I'd say, together since then, as far as I can remember. <laughs> I know there's some bumps. We can summarize it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was trying to summarize for you. Um, but yeah, you guys, um, I mean, I consider Christy and Daniel family um, for sure. Um, you guys are awesome human beings. Christy and Daniel are, can I say, singer songwriter, um, worship leaders. You guys have written songs. Have original songs under our belt, though, that I would take that okay. title. Yes, there are some. <laughs> okay, in my mind, you write songs <laughs> and you sing, so that goes hand we in hand, right? We have some originals for you, actually. I forget. We don't do them for that many people. You're of the, mm-hmm. the small yeah. select few. That's right. I forgot. So, yes. Radford Crew, so, yeah, I represent. I'll that to you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we lead worship. And... Yeah, you have a, I mean, you wear a bunch of different hats. This is true. <laughs> Mama of five, which is probably, I guess, the biggest one for you, right? It is. It is. But, you know, mm-hmm. if you uh, manage the time creatively and just right, you can accomplish other things as well. 
yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, worship leader at a church and involved with some other ministries in the area of Hampton Roads and also full-time wife. And he's in seminary and works full-time. So we have a few things mm-hmm. <laughs> we juggle. Yeah, All yeah. That's five little humans. <laughs> so even more, thank you for giving a night to me to record with you. <laughs> I mean, you're also a... Um, Joey, Fi- no, not Joey Fish, Stingray, Yay, awesome Stingray survivor. survivor, um, broken ankle twice, survivor. Current, current broken. Do you want to wearing a boot? Do right you want to elaborate at all, or? <laughs> well, you know, 2020. A lot of people think COVID. I think injury after injury after injury. Stingray. I, yeah, yeah, I broke my foot earlier in the summer, and I was pregnant during all this, and then. Um, Late summer, I just like one in a million less than that chance stepped in the ocean, stung by stingray. Let me tell you what, there's like no research on pregnant people being injected with stingray venom. Oh my gosh. And it was really scary because uh, we won't make that a topic here, but I have had a lot of child losses. And so then getting stung and them saying, well, we don't know how it affects the baby. Like to me, it was like, okay, well, there's that. There's this again. Um, oh my gosh. but baby was fine. She's fine. Seven weeks mm-hmm. old now. And, uh, I did survive that. And then I broke my foot a couple weeks ago. Again, broke my ankle. How's it? <laughs> it still hurts. Nice, nice pun. Yeah. I was going to say, how's it? Are you going to boot her? I am. Yeah. Okay. All Man, right. you are a right. trooper to say the least. Um, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Anyway, um, I appreciate you coming on so we can, I mean, catch up, but then um, talk about some, yeah, I mean, we're obviously going to, honestly going to be elaborating on conversations I know we've had over the last three, four years, and I mean, probably our whole lives, but really the last, um, I'd say couple years, Your, you and Daniel's journey um, being parents is, I guess I won't say unique, but to me, it's unique. I don't know anyone that has a story <laughs> like you guys. Yeah, not super common. And there's a lot. I mean, there's so many different directions and things we have talked about and could talk about. So we're going to try and hone in on these. So you, for people listening that don't know Christy and Daniel, you guys are white. This podcast is about race. And I've had some amazing conversations with you guys about this. You guys are for sure um, allies. I mean, you guys are some of my best friends, but specifically for you all, you guys have a uh, multiracial family. That's never the plan, but you guys have always, you know, i I consider you, t- um, you two people that have advocated for people of color and just, you know, the oppressed and, um, people in general. So, I mean, you guys are amazing human beings, but it became really personal for you Gosh, as you're f- at the beginning of this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So as your family has grown, <laughs> let's just get into it. Um, it's become personal, especially speaking up for racial justice. Can you, yeah, I cast the net wide, but just go where you want to go with that. <laughs> yes. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say we do talk about this stuff often, but that means so much for you to say that because mm-hmm. nobody is ever going to get everything right all the time, but it's definitely like a big part of our heart and I'm glad that somebody close to me that comes off that way for you and that you feel supported and that it's genuinely felt. Um, For us, definitely 
a complete shift in mind change in mindset for us in 2016 when we got our first foster placement and he happened to be a little black boy and we had said any race, any gender. Um, we didn't say any age because at the time babies were in the wheelhouse of what we were doing and that's what we felt comfortable with for foster care. So mm-hmm. any babies that came our way. <laughs> and so the first one, like I said, was a little black boy and we did not realize how much we did not realize we did not know <laughs> about mm-hmm. racial everything um, when we took that baby. And just really, that's when I think we grew so much. And like I said, always learning, always growing, always a student of life and empathy and awareness. But um, that's definitely when I know for us, it was like a subtle change, but Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I realized my perspective of of life and people was very different. And I did put down a couple of notes because we are good friends and we could talk for five hours if I don't hone this in. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm um, looking. I'm staring yes, at that. I'm like, oh, my gosh. What time is it? Okay. So I'm going to spend an hour on this topic. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I was just going to say, like, we learned so much. So first of all, when we said we wanted to foster, so it has to do with it. But when we said we wanted to foster, mm-hmm. we were shocked at how many, so this is within like a uh, Christian community context that I'm saying this, we were shocked at how many believers around us were like, ew, don't do that. Mm. <laughs> and they, we, we had a lot of people that really surprised us that said things like that'll inconvenience you. That won't be comfortable. I don't understand. Like, really? Foster. Yeah. And these are Christians. And I'm like, it, like I said, nobody's perfect, but that mindset was shocking. And not only that, but mm-hmm. I'm thinking, it's not like we asked you to do it. Why do you care if we do it? Mm. Um, and that was really shocking. And we got through that. And the reason I said that, though, is because then the next thing that we experienced when we got our first little boy, we didn't realize how many people, everyone has biases that they aren't aware that they have. Uh, implicit yeah. bias is basically you're unaware of having it. And um, then we realized that because a lot of comments that were said around our child by mm. people that we knew and we loved that were said very innocently. They weren't said to be rude. They weren't said to be offensive or degrading or anything like that. But mm. it came from just some ignorance and unawareness that those words were hurtful. And we started mm-hmm. learning really quickly uh, how to advocate, how to advocate for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I think that that was a really big culture shock for us. And um, oh, I know what the next thing I was going to say was. Sorry, you might want to cut that out. But the next thing I was going to say is. You're good. So the Charlottesville, st- I know stuff happens all the time with racial, sure. racial tension. It's not like new under the sun in 2020 or 2016 or before that. But when the Charlottesville stuff was going on, um, mm-hmm, at UVA. yeah, we, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just assumed everyone knew what I was talking about. Um, but that's when we had our little boy. And so that was really mm-hmm. earth shaking to us when, um, like with black lives matter and, on this podcast, I'm not going into like organization itself versus not, but just the saying of what it is, Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of our family and friends did not comprehend its significance. Mm -hmm. And so now here we are for the first time, a family with combined races, and we are now empathetic towards it in a way that I don't think we recognized before. And the people that we love, not everybody, 
but more than I wish, people that we loved did not understand. And so then we found ourselves, as we were learning and becoming more educated, um, we were having to walk the line of grace and education with people. Because mm-hmm. when specifically, I'm, I'm going to speak from white context because that is what I am, specifically when uh, white friends and family of mine um, didn't understand things, it's very easy to get upset and defensive, but that's not mm-hmm. beneficial most of the time. And so we would uh, pick and choose how to say things to slowly educate. And I will say over the last several years, we've seen in our circles, people's awareness really change as well. So that's just like one-on-one um, growth that we've yeah. helped to be a part of, um, as well as with ourselves. Yeah. Like I said, it's not like we're ever done learning or anyone is. I, I've had a few people say things to me in in like our circles of friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't understand things like Black Lives Matter. And so they'll say, well, I don't own slaves. Why should I have to apologize for being white? Yeah. And so then the I response, mean, <laughs> the response is like, well, nobody's asking you to apologize for being white. We're asking you to acknowledge people and feel mm-hmm. for people and listen and let people be seen and heard and empathize that when somebody says they're hurting, they're mm-hmm. hurting, not, I don't care. And so it's been a lot <laughs> in the last yeah, year I mean, our family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. Uh, it's comments like that that almost reinforce why we're still having the conversations. Does that make sense? Because, yeah, I've had been in conversations with people that innocently and maybe even more passive-aggressively, um, depends who it is, will say something like, slavery is in the past. Let's just move forward. Like, it's not still affecting what's happening now. And it's just, you know, case in point, you know, when people say something, like, well, I don't own slaves it's completely disconnected it's um it's like no because of the conversation here that's not what we're saying right because well because of comments like that it's like why we actually have to keep um i say we i'm not uh, not gonna speak for the black community but in those conversations for me i'm like well it's kind of i feel like beliefs and views like that are why we actually the the black community has to keep reminding everyone how interconnected it is um to 2020 2021 yeah crazy uh, uh, but yeah, and then obviously this year things were more I'm going to use the word heightened because like we said it's not like it's not happening when yeah. it's not news um so anyway I spent a long time on that but my point was that was before my kids were old enough to have any clue as to what's going on because they're just babies with bottles on the floor you know and so now how, yeah how remind me and our and I guess we should tell our listeners so you have five kids <laughs> yeah. how old are they I do. It is six and a half, three and a half, two and a half, one and a half, two months. So everyone got that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So all, I mean, all super young. They are, they are. And so our oldest, he's six and a half, Jude, he is a biological child of ours. He is white. And so the, the way that, and he's very young and he's very sensitive more than your Mm -hmm. typical child, his age. And so the way that we, talk about race, which is all the time, the way that we talk about culture and race and humanity is very different than how we're going to talk to our other kids when they reach that age. Number one, because Mm -hmm. they're all different people. 
So regardless of any other details, they're all different people. (laughs) But on top of that, um, our middle three are black and our bookends, as I call them, are white. Mm -hmm. And so the way that we teach them how to treat people and about culture and their culture and other people's culture is going to be a little bit different. But also my next oldest child is special needs as well. And so she's not really three and a half cognitively. So we're not Mm -hmm. really talking to her about race things very much. She can't, I mean, she can't tell you her name. So we're not really there with her. Um, Mm -hmm. But some of the things that we do are like at Christmas times, Christmas time, I used to really love angels. Well, I still do Christmas angels. And did not occur to me that all my angels are blonde and white. And for those that cannot see me, I am blonde and white. (laughs) And mm-hmm. so that's not why it's just what the angels look like. But I'm, I'm thinking now, you know, as being the position I am of a white mom of a black daughter and three black, I mean, two black sons, I'm like, I don't want everything in the house. Mm-hmm. that's not them to be white. And so especially yeah. for my daughter, I don't want, you know, mommy's already white with blonde hair. I don't want when she looks up everything to be white with blonde hair. I literally got down on my knees when she was one and a half and scooted around the house at her height and thought, what does everything look like from her view? And now mm-hmm. the majority of our angels are black. Um, and it's it's not just about the angels, but it's about looking through that perspective of what it's like for them. And I can't change what I look like or what my husband looks like, but we right. can change some of their surroundings. And kind of like you and Zach were talking about last week, the toys, the dolls, mm-hmm. and they've done that. It is hard to find sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I went, <laughs> yeah. I went back because... I hadn't um, heard of the thing. I think Chris Buck was the artist or the photographer that he was talking about. So, I mean, I found out during the episode, so I went and looked it up. And um, yeah, it's just like he said, really, um, I don't know if cool is the right word, but just you pause at all the photos, you know, especially yeah. the one with the little uh, white girl, she looks about you know, five or six, looking up, uh, I guess, in the toy store and all the dolls are black. And just you pause because you're like, that that doesn't happen. That doesn't, that's, <laughs> that doesn't no, exist does for the most part. <laughs> and then the, Amazon uh, has been our friend. It's a lot easier to find on Amazon. Uh, stores. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been a bailout really. And then, um, or some of the other pictures, the one with the, um, all the Asian women getting their nails done by all the white women. It's, it, it's just, I, I loved it just because of, uh, how it makes you think, um, yeah. it makes it more in your face of just, oh, this causes me to pause for a reason that is just completely about race, yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Things that we have to think about are like sports teams, you know, where we live and are the teams that our kids going to be on diverse? Mm -hmm. And like I said, they're not all old enough to play sports yet, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's something we have to already be thinking about and planning for. And um, another thing is we do have a lot of kids and – our house and our neighborhood, like it's a diverse neighborhood and we've Mm -hmm. contemplated, you know, if we have to move or something to have more space, I don't see that happening. I don't see us moving and not even money being the issue as much as just, I like the diversity of our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And when we walk out the door, I don't want my kids to see all of one race, regardless of what that is. And this, especially though, not all white people. Mm-hmm. that they just already have so much of that around them um yeah we took uh our little boys to the barbershop for the first time the other day i saw your i saw your post on instagram man that titus yeah. is so cute 
he his hair grows so fast, like faster than any of my other kids. So he like is gonna need to be in there every week. I kid you not. <laughs> How um, did he? I mean, your caption I think said he he struggled a little bit. He had to well, sit yeah. on your lap. Is that right? Oh yeah, I. <laughs> so it was also my first time in the barber chair. I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's you know stuff like that. We have to just be really intentional about culturally. I don't want my kid to be a 10 year old in class and he's the only one that's never gone to a barber shop. Like that's just, mm-hmm. I, there are certain things that are going to be different in his life, but I want to eliminate as many things I can that are missed cultural opportunities, mm-hmm. um, experiences that, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's just something we're always going to try to compensate for. Yeah. Can you, so Jude is your oldest, um, by, and, uh, one of your biological kids, you talked about how you talk to them about race individually. Anna, can you give us some an example of some things like how you dialogue with Jude being the oldest yeah. and white? Um, just I don't know. Just I don't know an example conversation. Yeah. How do you want to take it with him? Yeah, we'll have to come back in a few years and uh, get the update on the other kids. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> babies really. Um, and for them, it, I know it's not what you asked, but for them, it's you know reading books that are. Mm-hmm. about that topic or, you know, my skin's beautiful, all of our, you know, that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. that's really as much as it's going to get for my two-year-old. Um, for Jude, it's anything that's happening calendar-wise. Like, obviously, we talked about Martin Luther King a lot then, I mean, you know, a few weeks ago. And then um, we've been talking about Black History Month since the beginning of January, even though it wasn't February yet. We were preparing him for understanding mm-hmm. it was. Um, and then we've been talking about it a lot now that it is February. Um, mm-hmm. But for him, you know, he knows about slavery. He knows about, um, we explained it as uh, basically Black people were kidnapped. Some stuff we worded more gently just because like I say he's a very sensitive child and even though it's yeah. heavy material we're not trying to hide that we're trying to do it in a very age-appropriate way but we also didn't want him to hear about this from school or from somewhere else that wasn't his parents and from his own family we wanted him to hear those things from us so we've been talking to him about those heavier things that ruin childhood in a sense I feel like I should say I've known you for a long time so I'm yeah. used to it but Christy has a laugh that she laughs when most, <laughs> when most people would cry. So I don't, I don't know if anyone's noticing, I don't want anyone to think that any of this, <laughs> I mean, some of it, I guess, has been humorous, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you, you tend I to did. laugh when I, a lot of people cry. So I don't want anyone to think that you're <laughs> laughing about anything. Oh boy. Yes. Well, anyway, we've talked to him about all of those things pretty much and how he's got to mm-hmm. um, make sure that he's listening and being very careful when other people might be saying ugly things to people. So, you know, I mean, he's just a little guy still. The conversations are obviously going to have to get a lot deeper and harder as they age. But right now, pretty much stuff like you're more careful of how you vacation and how you do hair and stuff like that. Like we were on um, a cruise a few years ago and we had our little, they were so tiny then. I'm saying they're babies now, but they were truly babies then. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the excursions was like, going on a plantation and checking out like not not for historical like a museum but like for partying on this plantation and Mm. I was very uncomfortable with that and I just thought I don't know if a few years ago I mean Mm. I obviously knew what a plantation was but I think I would have been like oh that's sad that that's what this was but now we're vacationing on it I can't think about it like that Mm. I'm not going to march around my 
my three black little children on a plantation for vacation. Like that just, Mm -hmm. it's different. It's different. And there's a different awareness there. Yeah. That is a great, I mean, that's a great example. Yeah. Of of having, I mean, you've had to be more aware, but yeah, I mean that, what a need to change and what a, I don't know, a great example of, cause I mean, I can definitely relate to that of just flippantly being like, Oh, you know, yeah. that's one of I mean it's really it's kind of insidious of like having the mentality of oh you know it's not a plantation anymore so uh, yeah. yeah and just moving on and let it be in the past but yeah that's it can be these are significant and be and would be traumatic to your well, black I children I don't want them to look back in pictures and be like right. nothing to my mom when really I mean I I could sob at like movies affect me very differently now anything that's basically which is a lot of stuff but anything that we're watching that has to do Mm -hmm. with terrible treatment with racial tensions I mean that's my family like it's sad anyway because it's humanity and it should break our hearts anyway but it's very personal and very deep to me those are my babies and that's the fact that anybody anyway we all know what hurts somebody just because of how they look or their culture is different is it's just awful (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. So you've talked. Um, I remember we've touched briefly on this in the past conversations, but um, and I don't want to take a turn down towards negative. I'm not saying you will, but I could go there pretty easily. Anyway, do you, do you? Um, you said I don't know, like out in public, out in stores, maybe you. I guess routinely will have a stranger. I mean, you've touched on people that oh, you yeah. know, but strangers say insensitive things to you when they see you and your kids can you honestly can you give like an example and then talk about how you dealt with that maybe (laughs) or deal with it regularly I guess yeah well first for all my moms out there doesn't matter what your family situation is what your skin color is nothing we all know that this is just the facts of life if a dad takes out his little girl to the grocery store doesn't matter she could be in her jammies full bedhead everyone's Mm. like oh how cute good job what a great Mm. a mom goes out and it's like, why does her hair look like that? Why, what, why is her sock on backwards? Why it's no, it's just very different expectations. So I'm just putting that out there. No, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll is, receive that. I'll receive that. that. Yeah. The sexist facts of life. Okay? Ooh, okay. So now it's a different kind of podcast. But anywho, yeah, it's all no. related. Okay. Um, but yeah, when I go out and it's just me specifically and mm. uh, a few of my children or all of my children, I will get comments like, people it's none of their business but people will be like hey are you babysitting like they just have to know and oh, that, yeah and that's really really so for anybody out there that's listening that's thinking about saying that to anybody don't do that mm-hmm. in front of the children because now mm-hmm. you're lying to my children that they shouldn't belong to me or that they don't belong to me yeah. so people will ask that people will uh say are they all yours and then sometimes people will get very very bold and I suppose disgusted by me, which shows more of their heart than anything else. And they will say things like, wow, you really get around, don't you? Stuff like that. Um, I have multiple children and they all look very different and it's none of their dang business. But I will tell you, I say that with so much sass right now, but in the moment, that's truly not my heart with it. Um, My heart, number one, is to protect my kids. So I don't want people to say stuff like that around their ears, which I know I can't always control. But um, so Mm -hmm. in that moment, taking it to another level in that moment as a Christ follower, even though a lot of me wants to be like, it's none of your dang business. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Christ follower, it's like, 
you never have a chance to see that. You may never have a chance to see that person again. And at the end of the day, we are Christ. If you are Christ follower, that is your identity. And so at the end of the day, that's the most important thing, not losing your cool, not defending yourself, but that. So a lot of times what I'll do, if somebody says something like that, or not, not the really rude comment, but like, oh, are they all yours or something like that? I will like quietly kind of walk over to where they can hear me. Like if I'm pushing a shop shopping cart or something, I'll be like, oh, hey, you know, could you, I know your intention was just to be friendly or curious. I said, but could you not say that like in front of my kids? And then I'll say, you know, we used to foster and we adopted and this is our beautiful family God gave us. <laughs> and then we'll keep walking. And I don't say that because I owe them an explanation. I say that because mm. I know, I know that God would want us to show grace and these are educational moments. Like yeah. it's like for me, well, for everyone really, but my perspective is it's like the gospel. So for people that don't know, they need the gospel and then they get it and they understand it and they've received it. You can never look at it life the same, right? And so for people that truly do not understand, like just, it's not meant with ugly intentions, but people that truly do not understand some of these racial tensions, the point of racial reconciliation, the importance of any of this in people's lives, people that don't understand that, they don't understand mm. how much they need to learn it. And if you take yeah. the time to talk to people with kindness and respect, you've done your due diligence in trying to teach them that. And if they catch on to it, they're never going to see life the same. Yes. <laughs> and so, you know, I just, yeah. So I, in the moment, I'm always like, oh, all of me wants to be like, it's none of your business. But I, I don't think I've ever done that ever because I think in that moment, this is the life God mm. has called me to. This is the family God has given me. And this, what are you going to do with it? You know, it's not just oh, my, man. Yeah. yeah. So teaching moments, they're all teaching moments to the kids, to strangers, to me and my patients. <laughs> I mean, th oh man, thank you for sharing all that. I mean, yeah. this is why I needed to have someone like you on or you specifically, but man, thanks for taking us to, oh, yeah. to church a little bit. I mean, we grew up, I mean, you've, we've known each other for forever, but uh, I would like to say that that is even doing this podcast, that that's my heart all the time. Yeah. And that that's how I'd respond and have responded to people who say insensitive things or even come off insensitive as far as racial remarks go and passing comments. But I mean, I've shared, I think on both episodes so far, but I'm just, especially right now, not in that place all the time. Um, and I think even the flip side, it's God's grace that sometimes people don't say something to me because it's almost like he knows like, no, that's not going to go well um, for, for <laughs> David because, oh man, he's on the edge. And I feel like I've been there more in this past year than my entire life put together as far as this stuff goes. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's amazing examples and advice of how to, well, Deal with that. this is going to sound a little more absurd. You guys are going to be like, you're the crazy Home Depot lady. And you're right. But I can't <laughs> how many people in Home Depot I have gotten phone numbers of because they want to talk about it more. And like random people. Uh, they awesome. give you their phone number. Yeah. And I give them mine. And I'm like, right. I'm, I said, I talk to people about this all the time. Like I'm here for it. So, oh my gosh. That's yeah. how you do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw my notes. I'm going to put my notes aside. How, how is that going? With follow up, yeah, I know. I'll get ran. I tell people this is how I pitch it. I say, also, what is sorry, what is talk about it? Like, what it could it? be fostering, adoption, um, why I foster, why it matters to my heart, 
Uh, a lot of times I'll like, literally be walking down an aisle. It is Home Depot again that I'm referencing because that was the most mm-hmm. recent one the other day. It was two days ago. But okay. <laughs> walking down the aisle and I hear this lady, oh, he won't let me. Uh, I was thinking about dogs, but something kids. And instantly I don't just from that, which is totally vague, random half sentence. I just knew she was talking about fostering. Cause it's like dogs, kids, and people foster dogs. And I just, I literally walked back down the aisle and said, are you talking about fostering? <laughs> and she said, yes. <laughs> and we stood there and talked for 10, 15 minutes in the aisle. And then I said, here's my wow. number. And I said, typically what I do with rando people is I say, Hey, if you have a bunch of questions about any of this, it's easier to do a phone call initially. So we'll talk on the phone for anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour. And then I say, text me with the small questions after, but if it's a big question, just call, you know? Okay. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Sometimes Daniel will like put the kids down and then walk back in the bedroom and I'm on the phone. He's like, who is it? I'm like, you don't know. There's <laughs> 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 too much to explain right now. I'm on the phone. You don't know them. Mm-hmm. This is the, the Walmart lady. Okay. Home but, Depot um, lady from two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That'd be right. So that's why I'm like in the moment it can be exhausting, but I'm like, what's the point at the end of the day? What is the point of this life? What was the point of the oxygen God gave me today? Yeah. My kids are a big part Ooh. of it. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's just take, it's the reminder to be patient with people that don't know how much they need the truth of this and this being loving people and caring for people and caring about racial tension and injustices in the gospel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm truly convicted hearing that. I mean, I tell people all the time, like, yeah, talk, I'm, I'm up to talk whenever I want to talk about this. Um, and, you know, I tell people, don't let the conversations die out, follow up with each other, pursue conversations. But that kind of thing wasn't in my mind. That's amazing. <laughs> well, Foster definitely been a good uh, door doorway to talk about all that. Yeah. Know. Oh, man. That's great. Have you ever had any? Sorry, I'm fascinated. I mean, have you had ongoing relationships with anybody because of that? Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had a few people actually sign up to Foster. So then I see them at... Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Or they'll text me like three months later, a year later. Hey, I just finished my certification. We're doing it. Thanks for your help. I'm like, sweet. That's crazy. That's awesome. The main thing that, like I said, there's, there's so little still, so there's so much to come, but something big for us is advocating like I was talking about earlier advocating to the other people in our lives so kind of prepping the way for their life once they know what's going on a little bit (laughs) but yeah it's just taking what we're learning right now and spreading that is the majority actually you explained I mean we talked a lot about um you being the Home Depot lady walking around and stuff so (laughs) I think you touched on it a little bit but on the flip side um there's this you know thing which I know you're familiar with with the white savior complex. And can you talk about, you know, I know you've talked to me some about it. Um, Can you talk about having to kind of navigate that as well of, you know, being looked at or having comments said to you about, you know, you're just trying to save all these black children, white lady. Yes. Oh my gosh. So we've definitely seen the gamut of comments and that's one Mm -hmm. end. Um, For anyone that doesn't know the white savior complex is basically when a white person comes in and for their, for their own good feelings, does things for people that aren't white. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Which can be tied back to, you know, <laughs> a lot of slavery, which I'll say that again. Yeah. So to, to the two ends of the spectrum, 
So some people will see us and like out and about with our kiddos and stuff. And they will say things like, it's usually an elderly person, not to be ageist, but it just typically is. They'll Mm -hmm. say something like, oh, bless you for taking those children. They'll say Mm -hmm. it like that. And that's obviously incredibly offensive. (laughs) Like, why would we not take those children? But like, but they're saying it in a way like, oh, we've done something so wonderful. And then the other end of the spectrum is people will say things like, not to my face, but I've heard people with an intentional earshot say something like, oh, that's just a white lady trying to save black kids, you know? And Mm -hmm. I don't always get a chance to address those because not really the same thing as what I was talking about in Home Depot earlier. <laughs> but um, to that, first of all, it's very, very offensive. It, it's, it's a thin line because on one end, you want to be very aware that that is a thing. And so that's important to be aware of it. But on the other end, I think most people it applies to don't comprehend what it means. So it's really not, it's not that helpful to call it out because they don't get it and they're doing it. You know what I mean? But I think that um, for us, it's very offensive because number one, we, we went, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with however God made your family. I can't speak to other people's stories, but for my story, we didn't pick our children. This is who God sent us. This is who we had through foster care and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. And I love my children. Like I push them out of myself, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it's not like we went around saying, I'm going to pick this child because he's black. I'm going to pick this child. That's, that's not how our story was made. So for somebody to look at somebody that happens to be white and to make an assumption of how their family came to be, it's Mm -hmm. very judgmental and it's, you know, but the white savior complex is a thing. There are people in the circles I run in, I don't personally know anybody that that's their situation, but I know of people. And a lot of times you'll see like certain mission strips that are like, especially brief ones that mission strips photos or protest photos. Yeah. You'll see any pretty much it's a cue. Anytime something's very, very brief and there's no like actual lifestyle thing with it, especially these are red flags of it. Um, But yeah, so when somebody goes somewhere and they're just doing something very, that's not really making a big difference and they're the hero of the situation basically is a yeah. very good example of what not to do. Uh, if you're a, a white person, you have to be very careful of, even if it's not your intention, I guess how it comes off. It matters right. a lot to people. Um, but I was going to say a good example of how not to be a white savior when you're white <laughs> is um, if you, if you've heard of Liz Bohannon, she founded Seiko designs and she started a socially conscious fashion brand uh, in Uganda. And basically she taught and developed these women to work. It's, it's all women and it helps them pay to go to universities and stuff um, so that they now fund their own business. She's not doing it. They're doing it. They're their own heroes of their own life. She's not mm-hmm. doing that for them. You know what I mean? And she, she is a white person who started this business, but now, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's very different than I ran in here and took pictures and gave you candy and laughed. And right. <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah. It's sustainable, right? <laughs> it's yeah. It's different. I'm not saying everyone has to go start a company, but it's just um, very different. I will say a danger of people have to be careful not to throw around the term white savior. Mm-hmm. because I will say, white people as a whole, not everybody, but white people as a whole 
tend to be very scared of saying or doing the wrong thing. And so when people throw around, I've heard this from many white people, if, if white savior is thrown around a lot, then they're too scared to do anything. They're too scared to say anything because they'll say the wrong thing. And that's not right either. Mm -hmm. And people have to have the freedom to try and mess up. Oh, I, I did say the wrong thing. So gently educate me. Tell me how to do it right. Tell me what's beneficial, you know? Right. And if people are too scared to do anything, that's not going to help society either. So I'm very funny with the coinage of <laughs> the term of that. And like I said, it's important to be educated that it exists, but I think it gets thrown around pretty heavily sometimes. Um, right, right. Yeah. And Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. It's a tricky one. I've I've been places before where people were, we oh I know, Daniel and I one time was we go to conferences and all kinds of stuff for Mm -hmm. fostering adoption and for racial reconciliation all the time. It's our jam. We love it. And we went to this one breakout session one time at something, and we we it was on raising multiracial families, and Mm -hmm. it was only a few years ago. It was definitely with uh, violent times in the news and stuff like that was part of the topics. And we thought we were going to get good tools, good communication things, good teaching points. Right. And we get in there and the speaker of it, all he did was shame everyone to be careful not to be white saviors. And believe Mm -hmm. me, everyone that went to this forum was not there because they're a white savior and they're trying to be educated and they're trying to do the right thing. And all these white people basically got shamed for trying, for saying I am humbly trying to be a learner Mm -hmm. and that's That's interesting yeah i got oh man i have so much thoughts on that yeah so not on that specifically but everything you said so like with the white savior complex um i agree like throwing terms around flippantly is what we all do right you know our culture is about i'd say right now and it can be super dangerous with this exact like what we're talking about the white savior thing has it I mean, would you say that learning empathy for why it exists is important slash has helped yeah. you like understand, yeah. understand more? Cause I, to me, I pair that with like, just telling people, like you're saying to listen and that's the important thing. What I've, what I've personally found is people like the idea of being a better listener, but it's not, it's not, um, not for longevity though. Like yeah. they, it's really short lived. And I think that's where a lot of the, you know, the danger comes into play because I think there just needs to be when in doubt, like even when it gets hard, you need to, I mean, still listening. <laughs> right. yeah. I understand like the whole, you know, shaming and stuff is not the right answer. And I think that absolutely does happen, but I would wonder what you think. Like, I think sometimes it also on the flip side happens less. I'm coming at a different perspective potentially, but happens uh, like the flip side is weaponizing. Yeah. Um, shame or being offended or like kind of like white fragility i'm not saying just i'm not trying to advocate for the book or anything but that Uh, term defensive mindset (laughs) yeah defensive mindset yeah thanks for giving me just a simple word to say um no i'm but believe me i it's yeah well it's helpful for me i got i'm one person a lot of examples but one personal example um i within the last couple years i can't i honestly can't remember what it was i posted something about uh, it was just like some of my thoughts on a blog post or something about how to have the conversations or the importance of having conversations if you have young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was around the same time one one of the many racial uh, shootings happened this past year, I think. 
And someone, I don't even know if anyone saw it because I, I mean, I deleted it because I didn't want anyone to chime in and have it be contentious. But somebody who I don't know, like wrote, I mean, two comments worth of that, like just, I mean, coming at me, a black girl and just, you know, ridiculing me and saying I'm tired of people, non-black people, um, capitalizing off of our pain and, you know, uh, you know, went after me, went, you know, said like, you know, can I, came after my kids, like, you can keep that all to yourself. All the just really, really hurtful stuff, like, essentially on the side of like, we, us black people, we don't need any help. Um, you guys have done enough, you, you know, and everyone's non-black. And I didn't enjoy reading that. I'm not going to lie. But by the grace of God, I, you know, paused and tried to reflect. And um, I don't remember if I said anything back, but I think I just deleted it and moved on. But I, I just remember thinking, I was like, this is important to not take this, to think big picture of like, there's hurt there. I don't know her. I'm not going to know her, but there's something there that, I mean, man, it could be real easy to come back and, you know, argue, but I don't know. To me, that's kind of similar of like uh, being aware. Something that's been helpful for me is being aware of racial trauma that just exists. And it's, you know, all interconnected, obviously, but that's where I think some of the white savior stuff comes into play. Cause I think it can be really easy to be like, um, I'm not saying you're saying this, but come up with the individual mentality of like, you know, you don't know me and absolutely we shouldn't yeah. judge anybody. But I think, um, I think this is what you're saying too, but um, I think it's doubly important for white people to also be aware of racial trauma. Yeah. Um, that, oh, that people are bringing in. Yeah. Go so ahead. What you're saying this woman said to you. So you are, she was a black person that was upset mm-hmm. with you for speaking about black pain. Well, and to be clear, I, I do believe it was around this. It was around the same time as I think it might've been Armand Aubrey. Yeah. I think it was him. So it was in response to that. And I was just posting about, I mean, I've not like I've never posted something before right. and I don't have a big following. So it was just, um, I think I yeah. hashtag something and I don't even understand hashtags very well. So <laughs> I think, I think, I, I think I commented back to her like an apologetic thing. And then she again came at me. I think it got even more mad. Oh, and she was I like, was in that, she was I, like, yeah, yeah. She was just like, Oh, if you really care, take off the hashtag. I was like, that's yeah, that's fine. So I did and moved on, but I don't know. That kind of stuck out to me. I was like, man, there's something, oh there that I don't need to know about, but I need to be aware of. This is the problem though with that, with that specific instance, you cannot speak to what it is to be black. Obviously you are Asian, you are Korean specifically, Korean American. But why do you define yourself? Let, let you define yourself. Yeah, no, no, that's what Korean American. Okay. So <laughs> I was like, what, what, <laughs> anywho, um, <laughs> let me not tell you, but anywho, um, you have every right, though, to speak from the context of who you are and how you are experiencing also racial tensions. You might yes. not be experiencing her racial tensions, her culture specifically racial tension, racial tensions. This is the problem is when somebody sometimes in culture, people will want other cultures to care about their plight. But if they're this is this is not everybody, this is some people. But then you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't say empathize, empathize. Oh, you empathize. This isn't your business. And I don't see that very often, but it sounds like that's what that case was. And it's, I know it's so delicate and different words are going to be different triggers for different people. But that's why I say, this is me, white context saying to my white people out there, be humble learners, Mm -hmm. humble listeners. 
don't stop learning, don't stop listening, but also you can't be afraid to be a part of these conversations. Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, and, you know, you know, on either side of any racial tension, um, but that's why kind of like what I was saying earlier about when somebody says something ugly to me, like in the store or something like that. If you want to be, if you want to see change, you have to be a part of that change. To be a part of that change, you mm-hmm. have to engage in these conversations and you have to do it with gentleness and respect or you're not mm-hmm. going to get anywhere. But it also, if you don't engage in them, nobody's going to learn anything. Like, I guess you just yeah. have to sign up to be a learner and an educator, be a learner from those that know more of you, from those that know walks of life that you don't have. And an educator to those of you in the same walk that just don't get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. And I agree that <laughs> I wasn't trying to speak for black people and I can't oh, do yeah. that. Um, I don't think there's anything um, wrong with you writing the article that you wrote. I'm just saying. No, no, no I know. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> or blog posts or whatever. I'm happening. not pushing back. I, maybe I am a little bit, not on you, but just, I think that's good. That's why I'm doing this, on, yeah. the, the whole podcast, but um these conversations, I think there's just a lot to be aware of. Like even I run into the danger of thinking, okay, I get it. I get it now. I'm a person of color. I get it. I have these kind of, I'm, I'm way ahead of everybody else. Um, <laughs> and it's not, I'm ahead of some people. Sure. But overall, like that frame of mind is, can be damaging because then pride, right. Um, overall, but to me with, uh, I, I truly learned a lot from that example just cause I could personalize it a little bit. And I agree. I can speak up. No, no one should be able to tell me what I can and can't, you know, speak into, especially if it's about race and I'm speaking as a person of color, but I, I for me, it was important to just have a, an awakening of like, or an awareness of the timing of it, I guess. Cause that's what I think if it was just on a normal Tuesday or something and nothing had happened or whatever, which is harder and harder to put anything out where nothing has happened. Anyway, yeah. if it was on a normal day, nothing was you know mm-hmm. in the news and stuff, it, I wouldn't have had that reaction. But I, to me, it was important for me to understand a little more of like, and I, I reached out to some of my friends, just asked them about it and about that kind of reaction. And I mean, none of my close friends felt that way, but it was helpful to hear like, well, this is what like a lot of people would like think uh, like her and to be aware of that just to be yeah. aware I'm not saying I necessarily regret it posting anything but to be aware of oh this picture of me posting after a black man was just murdered in the street and posting about something about how to have a nice conversation with your biracial kids at the dinner table and you know, I'm smiling with my kids in the picture how that could push some buttons and be aware and even making it be you know I'm, you know I was just like man if it was someone close to me that this has happened to. And then I saw people posting publicly, you know, about it. It, it, I was like, Oh, it really could appear as if I was trying to gain something from it. And then I had to have a heart check and just be real with myself. I'm like, do I want, am I doing that? I don't think so, but it's on social media and people read it. So I don't, I don't know. And I don't, it's like more of a heady thought process that I had to go through that. I feel like it's helpful, but it's one of those that didn't necessarily arrive at, yeah. This was right or this was wrong. It's just, I think, um, going back to the tendency for, I think, a lot of white people entering these conversations, maybe within this past year mm-hmm. or who are new to it, have that mentality of like, just explain it, explain it, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And it's like, it's not, it's, it's really not about that. It's yeah. listening, learning. And then sometimes, you know, you can be told, but a lot of it is just, you know, what are you going to do with what you know? 
no. versus just tell me, give me the map. I got it and I'll do it. It's like, no, no, it's not, it's not about that. Right. That's true. All right, man, we've covered so much. This has been awesome. I mean, you have covered a lot of this already, but how can people listening be active? I don't know. in advocating for racial justice. There's a, I feel like we're inundated with information, especially right now in February on black history month, but do you have any, like a couple things that are like really helpful um, I would say, yeah, kind of like a section we just did. I would say, listen is first, listen. And, you know, taking it back to scripture, mm-hmm. <laughs> slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so it's when it's somebody you don't agree with because you don't see their side about race, you don't see their side about politics, you don't see their mm-hmm. side about religion, about you name it. Um, you don't have it's easy. To- yeah, you don't have to <laughs> new, new flash to everyone. You don't have to agree. We're asking you to listen. Just listen and try to understand. You can you can fully understand a concept and not arrive at the same conclusion, but you understand. And mm-hmm. people are asking for understanding, listening to be felt, to be heard, to be seen. Um, and so I would say, listen. I would also say um, there is... <laughs> Everybody should do this and haters going to hate back off. There's this test Uh through Harvard university and it's an implicit bias test. And it's actually multiple short little ones. They don't take very long at all, but um, it's just, it asks you a few questions and then it's almost like a little game. Uh, You pick like right side, left side based on certain uh, questions asked and it's subconscious. You're, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it'll, I'm going to do it. I, I've heard about this a million times, but I haven't this, done it. Yeah. And this is not, and I would recommend people don't share that. I mean, you can share them if you want. It's not about sharing results. This is not a contest of mine showed no bias. Mine showed blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. This is for personal growth. They have it for, uh, for different races. They have it for gender equality. They have it for, I recommend everybody go and take all of them. Even if you think you know where That's you're great. You should do it. I've done it. I've recommended it to a couple of people in person that were like, I'm not taking that. I'm like, that's your choice. You're not a learner of life. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> I didn't really say that. I'm just joking. But um, I highly recommend it. And I can send you that link and you can put that in the bio of this if you want. Um, but anyway, everybody should take that. That's a good starter because people might not realize where they have certain weaknesses as well. Um, that's like the best recommendation ever because it yeah. also is action all in yes. one. Yes. Um, (laughs) And then similar to what I was saying earlier, we got onto this tangent about um, courage and not being scared. So this is to every culture, race, gender out there, wherever you fall. Um, Basically, like I said, I cannot emphasize enough because I don't want to be misquoted ever at any point. I am telling people to humbly listen, to not go into any situation like I know everything about this. Um, So humbly listen, but then also to have courage to not be not be so scared you're going to say the wrong thing that you're not going to go hang out with somebody that's totally different than you. Because mm-hmm. what does that accomplish? Nothing. And then mm-hmm. they have to have the grace to, if you do say something silly or wrong, to to basically give give the best it of it is something we say mm-hmm. best it just know the good intentions that were probably there and not jump down their back and be like, I can't we just say, Hey, you know, we actually say it like this, or that's actually offensive to me because, and then just explain it. Let's all just teach each yeah. other. Um, and then uh, educate yourself. And I know that 
you and Zach had talked about some books and like Esau Macaulay and stuff. And so I wanted to give a different medium. I wanted, and we're already on a podcast, so I wanted to give something different than that as well. And so um, yeah. I'm just going to say, I'm a huge fan of conferences. And I know that COVID is a terrible time to be like, go to conferences, but they have virtual conferences. Oh, yeah. And I would recommend people find them. I know I'm a really big fan of the Global Leadership Summit and Missio Alliance. Um, and I can send you links for Missio Alliance specifically as well. Um, yeah, I can put all this stuff in the yeah, show notes. Um, Someone just told me how to do all that, which I hadn't been yeah. doing, so I apologize. We, we, no, you're good. We just missed the conference they just had. It was a few weeks ago. And the topic was resilience, race, and resistance. And oh. I know, I know, but I will tell you, I'm, I, I don't, I might be wrong. I can get you more information later, but I think it's available for purchase for replay. And, okay. so, but even if you don't get to see that conference specifically, if you go on their website, they offer videos and, and articles and, um, Basically, Missio Alliance is just a fellowship of Christian institutions, churches, and leaders. Uh, and they have a big heart for a living missional and the racial reconciliation movement, education, whatever you want to call it, is a really big part of that, of, of the mm-hmm. gospel, of living it out. Um, so, yeah, highly recommend getting plugged in with them. Um, and then as far as – so I was just going to say, you know, listen, engage, and then um, – live it out. So like go and do what other people do. That's not what you do. (laughs) So like games, Mm -hmm. cultural events, festivals, sing songs that aren't something you typically sing, whether you're a believer or not, whether your context is church or not, listen to music that isn't all white people or all Hispanic Mm -hmm. people or all whatever your situation is. Um, I know as a worship leader, I am always trying to make sure I mix up what um, artists or groups were doing the songs of. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And whether that's so that somebody new or minority culture can be like, oh, hey, I resonate with this or I've heard this before or I feel seen and heard, whether it's for that or if it's for the other majority group of people that are like, what's this? I've never heard this. Trying to get them. So I'm educating them to be more familial and, uh, familiar and to be more comfortable and, and educated with that as well. So yeah. We got to do a whole uh, worship music episode. Woo-hoo! Yeah. That could be fun. <laughs> Take Pretty it back cool. to the uh, shout out to Norfolk Christian days to right. now. Oh man, that'd be fun <laughs> or not fun. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I'm not even going to add many, any recommendations. Cause that was awesome. Those are all like action based and man, that was awesome. Well, I will say I, and you know, I'm loving listening to your podcast and I want to, collect all of your data too because when i have these random conversations with people like at home depot and stuff people Mm -hmm. genuinely will ask me i and it is typically white people asking me i don't know how to get started i'm just now catching up to understanding some of this i'm overwhelmed i don't know where Mm -hmm. to start and so i just give some of these it's a starting place you know (laughs) i'll also echo what you know you said with just coming in, listening, listening, listening. We're going to beat a dead horse with this, but even more so to our white friends, uh, you know, listening, the tendency or the temptation to just shut down and use it as a time to, oh, I don't want to be embarrassed or I don't want to be ashamed or say the wrong thing. Um, to be able to remove yourself from those conversations, I think is what people, uh, you know, especially people of color mean when, we point out that it's a luxury that's actually a privilege to be able to just compartmentalize and be like, Oh, I'll, I'll 
talk about this, you know, in this two hour time frame that I have scheduled to have this conversation, then go back to my normal life because yeah. your normal life is privilege really. And you don't have to really deal yeah. with it unless yeah. you choose to. So, um, I'm uh, ending on a hot take with that, but yeah, that, yeah. I wanted to put that in there. I didn't want to let that go by. Something else, um, small, but big, you know, it's the little decisions that make up your life as well. It's not some big sweeping, huge thing all the time. And something small, but big is change up what businesses you're shopping at, change up what uh, mm, yeah. restaurants, you know, shops you're shopping in and restaurants you're eating at. Um, I know that I find myself like looking up a lot more uh, black owned soul food restaurants in the area because I want my kids to grow up going to them. I don't want them to go to school oh, and don't know any of the hot spots. You know what I mean? So like, are going to make me leave the New River Valley finally. I'm serious. Like our whole family, like it's an immersion experience for, for all of us. And I, I have to put myself in positions where I'm the minority so that my kids are the majority. I have to do that. Mm as, as often as I can. Um, so yeah. (laughs) Ah, that, that's great. Yeah. That would be really powerful. And that's a great perspective to have on having young kids who don't explicitly understand what's going on, but that looking back will, I mean, mean everything that you guys went out of your way to put themselves in those kind of environments. And I'm like, you know, all parents, no matter what your situation is, we're, we're all going to, not do things perfectly. And I, I know I'm not going to perfect any of these five. I'm not going to parent any of these five kids perfectly, but I do dag on it at the end of this life. I want them to know and be able to look back. Mommy tried. (laughs) 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 I can see where mommy tried and where daddy tried. And hopefully they think we did do a good job, but I'm not so ignorant as to think that they're going to believe that we are perfect parents in any way for any reason, any of them. (laughs) Sure. We're not perfect people, but yeah. So efforts are made and we're we're always asking. that's gonna be the title of this episode we're made. <laughs> mommy tried with christine miller <laughs> mommy that's perfect tried. i love it yeah. <laughs> man all right we i mean we seriously i know we'll talk for five more hours um yes. thank you so much for doing this you'll i mean you'll definitely come back whether it's the uh <laughs> the worship music episode oh, or so many more things more. In the beginning, I was like, oh, this is such a big topic, and I was struggling to hone it in. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) Always. Well, seriously, thank you for doing this. I know our listeners are going to benefit a ton from listening to what you had to say. So, thank you. All right, again, thank you so much to Christy for sacrificing some of her coveted family time to come on the show. When you're done listening, please make sure to check out the show notes for some of the resources we mentioned throughout the episode because they were, uh, yeah, a lot. And as always, this podcast is created to be a place for people of color and our allies to safely have the conversations we're usually only having behind the scenes and to invite anyone else to listen in, learn, and grow with us. Our artwork was created by Ashley Bush and our music was written and produced by Dylan Dent. (laughs) 